Welcome to the Life Church Brisbane North podcast. Life Church exists to reach and empower people. No matter where you are listening from, we pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Hey, if you've got your Bible, I want you to open with me to a scripture um, that when I first read it, I thought it was a joke. Well, I'm sort of. Uh, I want you to open with me to the book of Philippians. We're going to base ourselves, we're going to camp out of this passage of Scripture all month. So you can just keep your bookmark in your Bible if you actually still have it. Anyone still have a paper Bible? And you've got, oh, yeah, you still got a, I've got one in my bag here. I love it. I read it every day. But uh, if you can keep the bookmark there, Philippians chapter 4, we're going to stay with these five verses for the next four weeks. Um, Philippians 4, reading from verse 4. And this is what the Apostle Paul, Paul was one of the leaders of the early church. This is what Paul said. He said, always be full of joy in the Lord. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. That's the key word in this book. Paul, who's writing, by the way, from prison, right? Writing from prison says the key word in the book of Philippians is rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Verse 6, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Who's already broken that command? All right. Don't worry. Yeah, me. Okay. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Let's, let's pray before we unpack this today. Jesus, we thank You're here and You're helping us. Amen. When I was in year six, I broke my arm. Anyone ever broken their arm before? In fact, I think I broke my arm twice, two, both two different arms around the same time. But in year six, um, I broke my arm. And this is the first time I can remember. Now, I'm sure there were certainly a lot of times before this. The first time I can remember that I got stuck on the bad mood train, okay? We're going to get there in a minute because Emily's laughing because it's not the last time, okay? But <laughs> So I broke my arm, I'm in year six, and, my, and I broke my arm the week we're about to go on school holidays to the coast, right? And we spent our whole holidays on the, in fact, I broke my arm at the beach. So I went, we went to the beach day one, and uh, I was on the flying fox. I fell off. I broke my arm. I went to hospital. And there I was in my cast, right? And, and so anyone ever been, everyone, anyone, has anyone ever been in a bad mood before? <laughs> okay. All right. So no one. Okay. So, so basically, you know, I'm there. I'm watching the family play and frolic in the water. And there's dolphins diving out, you know, the whole thing. They're jumping out. And they're playing with my family. And, you know, and... Um, and I'm there sitting like on the beach. I'm just sitting and everyone on the beach. I didn't want to get sand. Sand in a cast. Who knows? Is the, that's, yeah, that's brutal, right? And so I'm there. I'm just like sitting on the grass watching. And, you know, there's this kind of vibe building, right? And the only thing I had to keep me company was 
As kids, we used to watch a show on Saturday mornings called Saturday Disney. I don't know if anybody remembers that show. Yeah, okay. And uh, so Saturday, and they would do little art and craft stuff. And as a kid, it was year six. Remember, I'm in year six. Okay, I wasn't 18. All right. We made these stress balls, right? And they were like rice. You wrapped them in glad wrap and then you put like balloons around them and you cut the balloons and they're like this colored. Anyone? Okay, even if you don't know, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so I got this stress ball. That's all I've got. And my sister decided to take my stress ball and hide it in the sand, right? To dig it somewhere on the beach and bury it in the sand, right? I'm ashamed to tell this story, but I'm being vulnerable and being open and being honest. Okay, so, and I'm like, for a second, I'm like, I'm, there I am, broken arm. The mood's already building. It's not good. It's, it's not, things aren't going in the right direction, right? And I'm like, what's going? And I'm like, where's my stress ball? You know, I'm like, where's my stress ball? And I'm like, where is my stress ball, Right? And then the, my sister's like laughing. She's like, I hit it. I'm like, oh my gosh, where? She's like, I buried it somewhere in the sand. She's like, I don't know, really know where. And I'm like, there I am. It builds to this point. And I'm storming up and down the beach. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Where is, like, I'm screaming. Where is my stress ball? My family are like packing up, like sort of starting to leave. Like we, as it, now as a parent, I understand. Like the other day I was saying my kids were doing the wrong thing in the shopping centre. And as a parent, you build this skill to be able to watch your kids and at the same time pretend that they're not yours, okay? And it's like, you're sort of watching, you're like watching with disgust, like, seriously, someone needs to deal with those kids, you know? But, and you're looking at other parents like, what's going on over there? But secretly, they're actually your kids and you're keeping an eye on them, but you're like sort of doing it with like, uh, I don't even know him, all right? It's like, it's like, so they're packing up and I'm leaving, where's my stress ball? And I can remember like being in this point in, as a little year six kid thinking that I, I'm in this bad mood and there is just no way to get out of it. Like I remember when I was in Bible college, a friend of mine who was always late, always just that kid, right? He was just that guy. Seriously. Anyway, he's a pastor at Hillsong now. All right. So, but, um, but he was like, he fell asleep on the train and he accidentally ended up in a different city, right? Instead of being at Bible college in one city, he was actually ended up in a different city. Anyway, Different story. But sometimes in life, you know, is when we get, when it comes to our thoughts, when it comes to our moods, we can feel like we get into this place or we get on the train, we get on this, into this place and it feels like we can't seem to turn things around. Does anyone know what I'm talking about or is it just me? You know, um, and sometimes my, our kids get ready for school and they have to either a sports uniform or a formal uniform. And so some days they get dressed into the wrong uniform usually when it's just me at home in the morning, which is very rare now. But when Emily was in hospital last year, it was, it was quite burdensome on me. Okay, anyway, but, um, but it was like, um, it's like, which uniform is it? And you know, like every time it's like, you've gotten the wrong uniform. But the good thing is like, when you get dressed into the wrong uniform, you can just change into the correct uniform, right? But some of us, I think, and for me included, like some of us, we get into a mood and we can so quickly feel like I can't get out of this mood and into the right mood, right? And the reality is that we can often feel a bit like hostages to our own emotions. Have you ever felt like you're like a hostage in your own body to your own emotions? And the Apostle Paul, who wrote this scripture in Philippians, he also wrote the book of Romans amongst pretty much half of the New Testament, and he actually identifies with this challenge. He's like, when I, feel, when I want to do the right thing, I end up doing the wrong thing. So he understands that we're actually in this, this, we have this sinful nature, which 
often causes us, even when we want to do the right thing, to do the wrong thing. But he instructs the Philippians in this passage that we can actually lead our emotions. We don't need to be led by them. This month, we're going to unpack this concept of being anxious for nothing. We're not we're going to talk about anxiety. We're going to talk about stress where, you know, there's many that would call our generation the anxious generation. We're the anxious generation. One in four Australians struggle with some type of mental health. So we're now being dubbed as the anxious generation. But the great news about Jesus, the great news of the gospel is that we don't have to be the anxious generation. We don't have to allow that label to limit our life and decide and determine who we are, we can actually live according to God's plan and God's purpose for our life. But the reality is, and today we're going to unpack a little bit about our thoughts, because our thoughts guide our life. You And if you're taking notes and you like to write down points, if that helps you, which I know it does help me, that our first, the first point or the first thought is this, that I can't live, I can't live a positive life if my mind is filled with negative thoughts. I can't live, this is what Paul's saying, you can't live a positive life if your mind is filled with negative thoughts. You can't live a positive life if your mind is filled with negative thoughts. Now, some people have taken positive, you know, positive, um, speaking positively or thinking positively to an extreme. But listen, I believe this is a powerful biblical principle that when we apply it, when we understand that God's Word and God gives us a key to overcome in life and have victory in our life, we can't live a positive life if our mind is filled, if our thoughts are filled with negative thoughts. Um, Over the summer break, I did my first ever, don't laugh at me, but we went and we did surf lessons. Like my son Israel, he's seven and me, we went together, right? And so then a couple, one of my other friends and then his, his boys, we all, we did a group lesson together. We just booked the, the instructor out. We said, we just want to do our own thing. And so we just got the instructor, just, just the five of us. And we, um, we had surf lessons for a week. I loved it. It was amazing. And on the, on the, on the second day, I, was, I kept getting up on the wave, but I kept falling off, right? And the instructor came over to me and, and he said to me, Ben, I just want you to do one thing differently when you get up don't look down, look where you want to go, right? And as soon as I changed, I fought the urge to look at what I was doing and I, and I decided to look where I wanted to go. I stayed up, I stayed upright and everything started to work. And it's a powerful key from Scripture that the battle for our life, the direction of our life will always lead in the direction of our thoughts. That we can't have, we can't have an outcome here if we're thinking here. We need to understand the power of my, that my life will always follow the directions of my thoughts. So we, we should then, if that's the case, who agrees, then we should kind of be aware of our thought life. Like how many times do we think about things and we're not even aware of what we're thinking? Ever caught yourself like just sitting in the car, like daydreaming, or you've been daydreaming all the way home in the car and you actually think, how did I even get home? Like, you know, you, you got home on autopilot because your brain is incredibly, it's designed by God. It's amazing. So it actually, all this energy and cost saving stuff comes in and you, you have habits of how to get home. But you got home on autopilot 
but your, your mind was still operative. It was still working. It was still thinking about things. It was still meditating on things. How often do we pay attention to the things that our mind is meditating on? In fact, I think they say something like 18% of our thoughts are, are naturally incredibly negative. Now, for some, it's going to be more. For some, it's going to be less. But our, it's like our mind throughout the day gets hijacked again and again and again by all kinds of negative thoughts, things that are going to take us away from God's plan and God's purpose for our life. The second point I want to make today is this, that I am not my negative thoughts. You are not your negative thoughts. You're not your negative thoughts. My, my, my son, he, he uh, following in my footsteps last year, he broke his arm on a flying fox just before holidays. Okay. And so I took him to the hospital. When I took him to the hospital, okay, they were preparing me because his arm was like a boomerang. Okay. In fact, the funny thing, it's just reminded me, this is random. Sorry. This is me. Okay. We're driving the other day. And there was one of the don't no like don't turn right signs on the thing, and it was at Sophie or is Sophie said, "Look, no boomerangs," <laughs> and it was like, it was like, what do you mean? She's like, over there, like there's no boomerangs allowed, and I was like, oh, that's that's no turn right, it's not no boomerangs. Anyway, it's awesome. We are living in Australia. You've got to be very clear. No, no boomerangs in this area, guys. Okay, but we get to the hospital, and his arms shaped like a boomerang and um, they're preparing me as a parent. They're going to have to do some things and sort of laughing. They do say to me, like, you do know his arm is broken. And I'm like, yes, I'm aware of that. Like, thank you. Um, But they didn't say, do you you realise your son is a broken arm? So he's not a broken arm. He has a broken arm, Right. But how often do we allow the negative thoughts we have maybe about ourselves or about our life to define who we are? So why is it that I had an anxious thought, I'm having an anxious thought, or I'm having a fearful thought? Why does it go from that to I am a fearful person? I am anxious. I am depressed. Do you know we have the ability to decide really who we are based on what God says about who we are. And that just because you have a negative thought, just because your emotions are going out of control, that doesn't make you an emotional, well, we are emotional beings. That doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't make you a depressed person. You may struggle with depression. You may struggle with anxious thoughts. You may struggle, but do do we understand that doesn't define who you are. This is such a powerful, we've got to get this in our heart. This doesn't define who we are. Um, my daughter, Audrey, she, when she's watching a movie like, um, like The Lion King or something, right? when a scary scene comes on in the movie, she will run out of the movie and run usually to where I am and she'll say, I don't like this movie. I'm not watching the movie. And really what she's saying is, I don't like this scene in the movie. Because then I say, that's okay. Would you like to do something else? Like, would you? And then eventually she sort of starts retreating back to the lounge room and starts watching the movie again. So often in life, we allow one scene of our life, right? One thought, one situation to determine the, our whole life. And one of the keys in Scripture, this is what Paul's saying, is that 
we can actually build something into our life called resilience, not in our own strength, but when we trust in Jesus. And as we build resilience, we build the ability to walk through the painful scenes of our life. You're often in a movie, the most scary scene comes just before the most powerful scene. Who knows what I'm talking about? It's like the ultimate thing. You know, in Aladdin, it's Jasmine's trapped in the hourglass, right? And it's right before everyone gets set free and Robin Williams is all good. You know, it's like, it's just before that happens that there's something incredibly difficult. And so many times in our own lives, when we come up against negative thoughts and all kinds of things that seem to be raging, and it's often because maybe even God's allowing something to come into our life so that He can refine something in us. God does not send bad things into our life, by the way, but He uses all things. God uses all of the scenes in our life. He uses all of the chapters in the book of our life if we allow Him to, to our advantage. Who's thankful for that? And here's the reality. We have to understand this truth that feelings are a symptom, but they aren't an identity. Thoughts are often a symptom, but they're not an identity. But our thoughts do shape our identity. So what we think about, what we think about ourselves, what we think about God, who we think about, so, so critical. Third thought is this, that when I'm gripped with negative thoughts, I have a choice. Okay, so when we're gripped with negative thoughts, when we're gripped with emotions that are spiralling out of control, or we feel like we got on the wrong train in the morning, right? Or we got dressed in the wrong uniform and we're in cranky clothes, okay? We've got our sad pants on, okay? And it's really difficult to go back into the bedroom and get our happy pants on, right? And we think we just can't do it. And who knows what I'm talking about? It's just like our stress ball's been buried in the sand. It's been lost forever. It seems like your entire world is crashing down. Now I'm making fun of that, but there's sometimes seasons in life where there are really dark places. And I'm not trying to make light of that, right? I understand that for all of us, and we all have a different journey. We all have different things going on. Even right now, there are people that are at the, at the summit. You're in the mountaintop. You're like, man, life's amazing. This is incredible. And the person next to you could be like in the deepest, darkest valley of their life right now. And that's, that's the reality. But, but we don't have to stay there. We don't have to allow the valley to determine our life. We don't have to stay there. And I think there's a tension in our culture, if I'm to be honest, which is um, sometimes Christians have been guilty of going the other way. No, I don't have feelings. I am a faith robot. Life is so good. God is so good. And it's like, seriously, bro, what, what planet are you on? You know, like, you know, like your house is on fire, you know? Like, you know, like, it's like, dude, you look like you haven't slept for like six months. You know, it's like, no, I feel so amazing. It's like, you don't actually look so healthy, you know? So, but that's one extreme. But the other extreme is just whatever, and we're going to unpack this in another week. But however, whatever your feelings are telling you to do, that's just, you've got to be true to your feelings. Because being true to your feelings is total freedom. Well, it's actually not. And I'm going to unpack that and why in another week. But what we need to understand is God has given us the ability and the authority, like Jamie talked about, to lead our own lives, to lead our own emotions. You don't, we don't, I don't need to be a hostage to my own thoughts and my own feelings. 
There's a guy who wrote a book many years ago called James Allen. And he talks, it's really a book all about our thinking. And this is what he writes. He says, Your mind may be likened to a garden which may be intelligently cultivated or allowed to run wild. But whether cultivated or neglected, it must and will bring forth. If no useful seeds are put into it, then an abundance of useless weed seeds will fall therein and will continue to produce their kind. This is what he's saying. Our mind is like a garden. We get to choose what is planted in the garden. But no matter whether we choose or we don't choose, the garden of our mind will always bear some kind of fruit. It's either going to be the fruit of stress and fear and anxiety and worry and suspicion and guilt and shame, or it's going to be the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It's all according to what we plant into our mind. Ever had a garden before at home and you didn't, like, I remember one time I pulled out all of the weeds in the garden. I thought, I'm awesome, right? Everything is awesome. I've pulled all the weeds out, right? But I didn't plant anything in the garden. I didn't do anything. I just pulled all the weeds out, right? What happened in a month's time in Queensland summer? It's like that thing is filled with the most demonic weeds known to man. It's like it's overgrowing and it's, it was nothing positive in the garden. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm not really, I'm not a bad person. But it's not about being a good person or a bad person. It's about what we're choosing to plant into our mind, what we're allowing God to plant into our mind. And here's, here's an encouraging thing for all of us today. Because of Jesus, I can replace negative thoughts with positive ones. Because of Jesus, I can replace negative thoughts with positive ones. I, I think I might have told this story before. So if you've been a part of Life Church for the last 12 months and you've already heard this, my apologies. But it's, it, it helps illustrate the point very well. My wife and I, we still own this property, but it's no longer a share house. It's now just a standard rental but for many years, it was a share house, which meant that we had university students from often from all over the world coming to live in our share house. And, and one of the most joyful things in my life, it was actually a time where I applied this scripture directly to my life, was when I would get to go there on a Monday and I would get to scrub the share bathrooms. I would get to scrub the toilets and scrub the mold off the bathrooms because who knows that five uh, people living in a home, uh, students really look after a bathroom. Okay, that's a little bit sarcastic. But anyway, so... This share house, we had all these different students living in the house. And, and there was this one guy and his, um, I won't say his name, just in case no one knows him. But anyway, so this guy there, great, really lovely Indian guy, done his master's in IT, was looking for work. And he um, was quite lonely. And, and I came in to clean the kitchen one day. I was downstairs cleaning the kitchen and I found a loaf of bread in the kitchen which is normal, right? You have bread in your kitchen, but the bread wasn't on the bench. It was under the cupboard, opened up, like all lying there. And I said, hey, you might want to put the bread like away. It's going to attract some sort of, you know, whatever. It's just like, it's going to get moldy. And like, and he said, oh no, that's for the mice. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, that's for the mice. I'm like, what, what mice? He's like, the mice that we have living in the kitchen. And I was like, Bro, like, just can we just go over this one more time? Like, maybe I'm just too much, you know, Glenn 20 and it's just affecting my brain. But, yeah, and he's like, it's for the mice. And I'm like, what mice? He's like, the mice. He's like, the little mice that live here. And I was like, 
are there mice living in the house? He goes, yeah, there's, there's mice. There's like three or four mice. And I'm like, this is not good. I was like, I'm going to go to Bunnings. I'll be back soon. I've got to go get some traps, some poison. And he starts, I kid you not. I, I know I'm a preacher. I like to elaborate. He, he gets to the edge of crying. Like he starts to get really emotional. And he says, the mice are my friends. And he said, I'm lonely. He said, the mice are my friends. And sometimes when I'm in bed, I bring the bread into my bed and I let them come into my bed with me. Yeah, that's what he said, right? Like he said, those words came out of his mouth, right? And so I was like, bro, that's not good. Like you do realise that they might be cute. I mean, I still don't even think that. But anyway, everyone looks at their kids differently. But... um, but I'm like, they carry all kinds of infectious diseases. It's like when your kids go to daycare, the first week of daycare, they come home. They're no longer children. They are, they are, you know, they are germ carrying. Like they are, they can like, they are like a, like a, it's the new form of warfare, which is, um, what is it? Um, chemical warfare. Like that, that's what your kids are when they come in from kindy for the first week. Okay. So, and I'm like, these mice are like carrying all kinds of diseases and sickness and and it's like, you do not want to have, you don't want mice in your house, let alone you definitely don't want the mice in your bed, okay? And I'm like, man, I'm going to Bunny's. I get the rat, I get the poison, I get the traps. We set it all up. He's, he's getting so upset. He's like, you can't kill them. And by now, all of the, everyone else that lives in the house has come around. We're all chanting, kill the mice. Kill. Anyway, <laughs> but here's the point, is that there are things, there may be things, there may be thoughts running around in our minds that we have accepted as just part of who we are. But the reality is that the, that the spirit behind those thoughts is not for your good. There are some thoughts, there are some thought patterns, there are some emotions, there are some habits in our life that are like those mice that we've allowed them into our life, but they're not doing anything that is building towards the life that Jesus has intended for us. And how often do we stop and do we actually think about what we're thinking about and then choose to lead our life and lead our thoughts rather than being led by them? And there's a great book. um, There's a number of books now that she's written, Dr. Caroline Leaf. And I'd encourage you that if this is an area of your life that you're maybe struggling in right now or that you wanna grow in, so that would be all of us, to get a hold of her books. But she says this about our minds. Um, she says, Thoughts are measurable and occupy mental real estate. Thoughts are active. They grow and change. Thoughts influence every decision, word, action, and physical reaction we make. Every time you have a thought, it is actively changing your brain and your body for better or for worse. But this is a powerful, this is a powerful truth. Um, and this is what she studies. This is, her, you know, she's, this is what she studies is neuroscience. She says, the surprising truth is that every single thought, whether it be positive or negative, goes through the same cycle when it forms. Thoughts are basically electrical impulses, chemicals and neurons. They look like a tree with branches. And as the thought grow, or as the thoughts grow and become permanent, more branches grow and the connections become stronger. Your mind and body are inherently linked and this link starts with your thoughts. But get this, you're not a victim of biology. God has given us a design of hope. We can switch on our brains, renew our minds, change and heal. Listen to what the 
the Scriptures say in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, 4 and 5, it says this, 2 Corinthians 10, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down every argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought. So this is what Paul's talking about. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Emily and I have only, you know, I've only been journeying with Jesus, you know, for maybe a little over 20 years. But if there's one thing that I've learned in my walk with Jesus is that the greatest battles we, f- we fight in life and we face in life actually aren't out there. They're in here. A- in here. It's the battle for Joyce Myers. It's the battle of the mind, battlefield of the mind. It's, we actually are engaged in a war. And often we think, I think in our culture, we think the problem is with people. The problem's never with people. And by the way, the answer isn't with people. So if we're looking to a person, for ultimate joy or ultimate hope or ultimate security or it will always be let down because ultimately the answer is in Jesus. But people aren't the problem. It's often is an internal battle. There's a spiritual battle. That's what Paul's saying. There's a spiritual battle going on and it's a war. There's a war for your thoughts, for my thoughts and we're engaged in it. But we can actually change. We can by taking, this is what Paul says in the, in the Scripture we started with, by taking God's Word and replacing negative thoughts with a positive thought. By taking time. A couple of weeks ago, we handed out our journals for the year. If you didn't get one, we'd love to gift you with one today. In fact, we should have had them on seats, but we'll have them at the Next Steps stand after the service. We'll go and track some down. I'd encourage you practically now, we're getting practical. We're going to unpack some practical things over this month. Okay, all kinds of different things. But practically, I'd encourage you to get yourself into the presence of God. And this is the fourth, this is the fourth thought around today. And then we're going to wrap up. That if we're engaged in a war and get this, I must go to war on negative thoughts and I can't go on my own. I must go to war on negative thoughts. It's not enough just to say, I hope I don't, I hope my thoughts aren't negative. Everything will be okay. But we actually have to go sometimes to war on the areas internal, the stuff in our life that's stopping us from taking a hold of everything that Jesus has for us. And it starts by recognising that we are actually engaged in a spiritual battle, that there might be thoughts in your mind right now that are telling you that you're not good enough. You're a loser. You're a failure. You've messed up. You're, you're shy. You're just a shy person. You're an introvert. You, you, you can't talk to anybody or you'll never amount to anything or maybe because of a scene that's happened in your life, you've, you've run out, you've, you've exited. You've been like, I'm, too, I'm out. I can't handle, I can't deal with that. And so you've pulled back from what God has for you because you didn't want to sit through the pain of that scene and allow God to fill the gap and fill what's, happening in your, what's happened in your life. But if we're going to go to war, I have to go to war, but if we're going to go to war, we can't go alone. We, first of all, we need Jesus. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. We hope you enjoyed this message. Life Church is one church in multiple locations. To find out more about Life Church and our online and location-based services, visit us at www.lifechurch.com.au.